between love and limits as the key to parenting. So the question is how we can find that balance. Okay, so the question is the balance between love and limits. Uh, the the Pasuk talks about uh, mean Mekarevis, a small doche of uh, having a, a, a right hand that draws close and a left hand that pushes further away. So already in the Torah we have this concept of a Pasuk that talks about love and, and limits. So the question is, this is a very, very broad question, one we can spend all night on, I'm sure, but I would love to hear what, what Dr. Fagan has to say about the balance between love and limits. I would love to hear what my wife has to say. <laughs> but I'll start. Okay. So I, I happen to think that the, the premise of the question is, is exactly really why we're all here tonight, is that is the balance that we're all trying to, to find, right? All, all love is, is not going to get our kids through life. It's, it's critical, absolutely crucial, but all the love in the world is not going to get our kids through life. The other end of that spectrum... Uh, with regards to only limit setting without giving kids a sense of love is not going to work either. So if, if you think about the, the Pasuk that, that uh, Robert Foxbunner um, was able to quote, right? If, if you think about it, the, the, in the Pasuk, it, it kind of tells us that you have one hand pushing and one hand pulling. But if you think about it, if you actually do that, you turn the kid around and he's not facing you anymore. So what, what we want to try to accomplish, right, is, is a full circle where we're able to find that balance. So if, if we push too much, right, one way or another, <clears throat> then we're never going to be able to find that balance. But, we're, we, right, it just kind of swings the kid around the other way. So we're, we're always critically trying to find that balance between being able to provide that love. Um, but when we talk about being able to love a kid, um, who in the room is familiar with the five love languages? Nice hands, all right. I don't work for the book company or, you know, anything like that. Um, but but when we when we speak about love, um, love has l- love is a funny thing. I guess we can insert any country song here. And do people have pickup? I didn't see any pickup trucks. It actually was a little disappointing to come to Atlanta without pickup. Just saying. Um, <clears throat> right. So so when we talk about love, the the key in terms of being able to love a kid, is being able to love a kid in the way that they need that love, not in the way that we're familiar or comfortable with loving that child, right? It has to be very, very child-centered, which often means that if I have one love language, and my wife will talk about the love languages in a second, but, right? Okay, we'll talk. We'll do it together. We'll, we'll probably come up with the list. So, right, if, if, we're able to, if we're able to recognize that there basically are five love languages, and by the way, Gary Chapman, author of the book, we talked about it this, this afternoon also, Gary Chapman, author of the book, really, really the frumest Christian guy I've ever, ever met, um, spoken to him a couple of times, you know, really great information. The guy is also a marketing genius because he, he's come up with like these five love languages and basically has then packaged all of these love languages in like seven different books, but they're all the same. <laughs> Which is just marketing genius. So um, when, when we talk about love, right, he, he talks about the, the fact that there really are these five love languages. There's gift giving, words of affirmation, uh, physical touch, time, right, quality time, and then there's acts of service. Acts of service. Thank you very much. Right? So, so being able to, to love a kid is, is to understand what their primary love language is. And, and it certainly seems from, from the research that personality-wise, 
kids are kind of born into life with a predisposition for, for one of those languages. And as parents, right, we also are going to have our primary love language, but very often those two might not match. And certainly when, when you have a bunch of kids, um, you know, you, statistically speaking, some of them should work, right? But, but it's not always going to be a matchup. Um, so, you know, being able to, to love in the way that the child uh, needs you to love them, to me, is the critical part of the love part. And the limits part, I leave to my lovely wife. So much for putting me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of what I do. <laughs> okay, so I'm not a professional speaker. Professional mom, though. <laughs> um, so I think definitely in the house, like limit setting is extremely important. Um, but I think it's important to do it in a very um, kind of not argumentative way. Um, so personally, one of my, my biggest tools in my toolbox, as Gabriel likes to refer to them, is one toothy magic. I don't know if anyone's heard of that method of parenting. Um, and it's, it's a method where you, it's a method for stopping bad behaviors, for getting your kids to do things that you want them to do. And it also uh, talks about, you know, spending quality time with your child. So it's kind of encompasses all three things of like, you know, your child is whining, fighting, this, that, the other things so you want those, those are stop behaviors. There are start behaviors, which, you know, clean your room, help set the table, uh, clean up the toys, whatever it is. And then there's just, well, now that everyone's listening so nicely, we have all this time to just hang out together in a way that's comfortable for everybody. Um, I don't know if I should go into like that. How does one, two, three magic work? Um, okay. Really well. <laughs> <laughs> so my I just want to make one quick disclaimer. First of all, we don't work for one, two, three magic. Um, that's number one. And, and we don't collect royalties. So, um, but also, there, there are amazing programs out there. There are a lot of amazing programs. All of the research, just kind of like therapy also, all of the research tells us that as long as you have a method, and as long as you stick to that method, and as long as husband and wife are both in tune with that method, anything works. So we've found that this one, two, three magic is very useful, but that's not at the expense of anything else. As long as you have those three factors, they'll probably work. And now back to you. Okay, so I think the, the most important part of the program um, is that if a child is doing a behavior that is on the list of stop behaviors, something that you want them to stop doing, basically when you tell them to stop, you know, that's one. And if they continue doing it, you wait like five seconds, that's two. And if they still do it after another five seconds, that's three, you know, take five. Or however old the child is, you know, it's either timeout or now he calls it something else because apparently timeout got a bad reputation now. So he calls it, uh, I don't know, like, you know, regrouping time or whatever, break time. Um, and, you know, it's a one minute per age. And, you know, they just are removed from the situation. The nice part about it and what he emphasizes the most is that after you say that's one, there's no more talking. You're always doing that. Please stop already. You're constantly tormenting your sister. Why do you keep on doing it? Nothing. It's just that's one. So nothing negative is coming out of your mouth. They get the point that they're doing something you want them to stop doing. And then they're allowed to kind of um, create a morality for themselves where they can spend those five seconds seconds choosing to either continue doing the negative behavior or to stop and you know suffer the consequences basically um, which aren't such terrible consequences either way but um, uh, 
the most important part is that you're not saying anything that you'll come to regret later on or that will harm your child later on in any way. You're basically just saying, like, that's one, that's two, that's three, go to your room, like, that's it. Um, obviously, there's more to, there's more to it, um, but I have to say that, like, our children will tell you, like, they were raised on one, two, three magic, <laughs> and we found it to be incredibly useful and very successful. Before we, you know, go to you guys, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, the, you know, the, the, the fundamental part of it is regulation, not only for the child, but also for the parent. Right. We've, yeah. we've all, okay, me, right, us, me have had the experience, right, where when you start talking and, and then you kind of just like rev yourself up and then you start sounding like all of the people in your life that you promised you would never, ever, ever, ever sound like, right? And say the things of like, I know that's coming out of my face right now, but not really sure why, but I seem really gung-ho about it, right? That, so so it's, it's not only being able to regulate the kid, but it's also being able to regulate parent so that you stay in prefrontal cortex and kind of not in limbic system mode. So it, um, but, but that's true of a lot of programs. Th this one happens to work, and it's like one, two, three. Okay, so maybe, maybe you're, thank you very much. Uh, maybe you want to speak a little bit about the ratio of uh, positive and negative. Mm. Um, okay. Um, I guess the first point that I would make is that um, I think it's very important that love and limits, like, that we recognize that they have to be there in their entirety, meaning like love has to be love and limits have to be limits. Um, like there's no greater, in my mind, security that you can give your child that like then, like they know when they've done something wrong that they need to fix or that needs to be taken care of. And if you haven't communicated to them, then they're good. Like when a child doesn't have that security and they're always wondering like, was my mom upset about that? Was she not upset about that? Should I not have done that? Is that okay today? Is that okay tomorrow? <laughs> like when there's something that they shouldn't be doing, it should be consistent. And when there's something that, and when they're not doing something they shouldn't be doing, then it should be good. And um, that security is just like an incredible, incredible gift to give your child that when they are with you, and unless you, obviously there are times when there has to be negativity and you have to communicate to them that something that they're doing is not okay. But if you're not communicating to that to them, and if that is not the case right now, then they're good, and you're good, and we're good. And that is like an incredible gift to give your children. Um, I get the ratio thing that he was talking about. <laughs> um, that, um, you know, that, uh, um, attention positive attention is a basic human need just not not just for children and um the love needs to there has to be a foundation of love and attention in order for the limits to work because if a child doesn't get the attention that they need and they crave in a positive way then they will absolutely demand it in a negative way and no matter what you do afterward won't work because they've gotten the attention they want and it's better than no attention at all like i mean i'm really not the professional but from what i understand <laughs> um neglect is what is you know it has okay so i, I I'll just quote Dr. Pelkowitz, so like I don't, it's his, it's his problem if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but as far as long-term effects, 
neglect in many ways can be more harmful than other types of abuse. That children who don't feel like they're getting the attention that they need, they will get it and they'll demand it. And they're not going to demand it in a way that you want. They're not going to come up to you and like, you know, be like, you know, I read in a book somewhere that we're supposed to spend at least 15 minutes together in a happy, you know, in a, in a happy, relaxed way. They're going to demand it in other ways. And, no, and nothing that you can do in response will work because they're finally getting the parental attention that they need. So that love is the foundation upon which the limits, the limits can work. I'm done. Okay, excellent. Okay, so that's a little bit about love versus limits. My piece is lots and lots of love and very few, not, not very few limits. Like, um, I'll tell you, my, what I try to do, and self-regulating is very, very, very important, and trying to make sure that when there are limits, you're not angry at that time that you set the limits. Um, because the goal here is to teach the child. You're trying to get a child to grow in their own way, trying to get a child to, to get a, um, enough nutrition that the child can t- continue to grow in the right way, spiritual, physical uh, nutrition. Um, and, 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 and your goal is not just to cut off behaviors and they should do this and shouldn't do that. Chinuch is an approach, it's a holistic approach in which you're trying to build the child as, as best you can um, as, you know, to be, as, to be as, as wholesome and as in tune with who they are as possible. And when you react from a, a, a point of anger, you're not educating the child. You're trying to control the moment or control the action or control the behavior right now. That's, that's a short-term gain, but it's a long-term loss. Um, it's a long-term loss for the relationship. And you're, it's not chinuch in, in my, my position. It's not, you're not being mechanech the child. You're not guiding the child towards a certain goal. You're just trying to stop right now. Stop screaming. <laughs> stop picking. Stop bothering your sister. Stop, you know... Whatever it is. So if they're coloring on the wall, okay, so I understand you'd probably want to stop that. But most things are not so cut and dry. So that's just one, one idea um, about, uh, about love and limits, like a, a, a lot of love. So um, when it comes to the ratio, so uh, I mean, we try very hard consciously to, uh, to provide a lot of positive, a lot of positive versus a very little negative, to consistently be feeding the positive. Like, there'll be times in which there's a child who needs to be um, spoken to, who needs to be uh, disciplined, but I'll, I'll, I'll feel that uh, I, I'm not there right now because I haven't had enough positive interaction in the past couple of days, so it has to wait. And I, I will actually put a note on my phone or on my little note cards that I carry around and lose. Um, <laughs> if you find one, please give it back to me. <laughs> so I'll put, it down, I'll put a note down, you know, this is something I have to address with this child, especially older children, but I can't do it right now. Because they're not being, they're not in a, in a mode in which they are receptive, in which there's this, this, uh, this, this positive, consistent positive interaction. So I'll wait till another time, and that's that's for speaking to the point about self self regulating. So there's some ideas in love and limits. We can take a follow up question if there is one specific one. If not, we'll can move I on s- to another topic. Share one more thing? There we go. I'm yes. just going to share one thing. So so you mentioned Dr. Pelkowitz. So in <clears throat> Dr. Pelkowitz wrote a book with his father, Rabbi Pelkowitz. Everyone read the book. It's a great book. I, I don't get anything from it either. What's it called? The, the Rabbi Life in the and, Balance or something? Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, the Rabbi and the someone. Um, it's really good. Just Pelgowitz. Google. Um, but, but one of the points actually on this week's Parsha that, that Rabbi Pelgowitz makes is that in this week's Parsha, it's, it's all about Kohanim and, 
Kohen Gadol, right? The, the, the Begadim of the Kohen Gadol, and it, it really doesn't seem to have much applicability to our lives. Okay, so the, you know, the, the cool guys in, in, in the old city, you know, like really need it in order to make, you know, all the Shemona Begadim, and like they kind of need that stuff, but like what's the applicability to us? And, and he makes the point that in, in our homes, right, we're, we're all part of that kahuna, right? Man, woman, all part of that uh, big day kahuna in, in, in various forms. But one of the things that comes up in this week's, this past week's Barsha, is that three Lashonas are used when it comes to, to, the, um, to the discussion of the Kohen Gadol. And, and that is Tetzave, Tedaber, and Takriv. So this, this idea of tzitzav is sometimes, right, the love and limit, sometimes you, you actually have to give the edict as the parents. Sometimes the tedaber is having that communication. And sometimes it's the takriv, right, not as in carbon, but as in bring closer. Um, because if we don't do this, then they'll become the carbonists, right? It's, and the, 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 that ability to, to bring them closer, right, that ability to have that ratio, you know, is, is certainly there. So kind of, you know, we speak about it in love and limits, but really, you know, we can kind of conceive of it in <clears throat> those three different kinds of ways. At least he did. Okay. I liked it. Can I just add one more thing? Um, and then in terms of that, like when you get your kids to a point where the negative behaviors are so limited or they're so easy to stop, there's a lot more positive time spent with them. That's it. <laughs> okay, um, let's move on to another topic. Um, I'm going to pick from the list here. Uh, so let's, let's turn this to something from less broad and more personal. Um, what, yeah, um, what would you do differently as a parent? Can you pick two examples of mistakes that you have made as a parent that you have learned from that you would now do something very differently? Well, I don't want you to steal mine, so you go first. <laughs> Okay, uh, maybe the first one is more of a wish. I, I, I personally wish that, you know, whatever we know later on in life, we kind of could have known earlier. And, and um, you know, that, that, that ability just for, for life experience and kind of like the practical experience, like it's, it's almost um, semi-abusive that that like young parents have kids like that young <laughs> and like we were we were them and like sometimes i still feel like i'm playing house but you know but but that that notion of you know being responsible for for little people like so early on in life where like maybe you think you know stuff but like yeah you don't know anything <laughs> And, and so, so mistake, I think kind of for me, mistake number one was uh, maybe imagining that I did and, and, you know, kind of not very early on, you know, having, having resources, you know, reaching out to others. Like, even though, like, thank God, like everything was going okay. And like our first child who might be in this room now, <laughs> maybe, all eyes turning to her. She, I mean, she, she was an amazing baby. Like she was, she was great. So th- that kind of like helped us a lot. Whereas our next child was an absolute mess, <laughs> always, for months and years, and um, just like crying. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. <laughs> anyway, so but but it was good preparation. So so I think kind of like you know I don't know mistake or learning lesson number one is you know that there, there's 
you're not taught how to be a parent. You're, you're maybe shown how to be a parent sometimes. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not. Um, you know, but, but being able to have like a parenting mentor or somebody that you can kind of reach out to in a way that you would feel comfortable saying, you know, hey, this kind of thing is going on. Um, you, you know, I think, I think could have been like really important early on in life. Okay, now your turn. <laughs> could be a mistake I made. Well, I think like kind of going on that is um, a little bit what you said of like not having, it's hard to research an issue when you don't know it's an issue yet. So if you like to be prepared in life, you know, you're going to start something new, you, you read up on it, you do research on it, except for parenting, like the most important job that you have. No one reads parenting books before they're a parent. It's usually, I have a problem. And now I want to research how to do this or how to <coughs> fix what I messed up. So, like, the truth is, yeah, being a young mother with, you know, a few little children and having to balance the toddler, the baby, the next toddler and this and that, um, it would have been helpful, I think, to have some methods and some tools earlier on and not kind of, you know, learn about it a little bit later. Um, I think that's one thing. So that's kind of connected. Yeah. Your turn. Is it our turn? Oh, no. I knew this, I knew this was coming. Oh, you want more, one more? You could, a mistake that I made. <laughs> Come on, throw me out of the bus. Um, I think, I think I would just call it a challenge rather than a mistake. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I think it's a balance of time. Time and energy. And how you spend your time and energy and kind of knowing. And I think it's something everyone struggles with daily and I, I don't necessarily think, I think it changes, I don't think it necessarily gets solved. But, you know, to decide where you spend your time and efforts on really a daily basis. Yeah. With whom, doing what, um, kids, cooking, cleaning, you know, there's a lot to balance. Women's lives have a lot, so do men. But have a lot of responsibilities and have a, you have a lot to take care of and you know your brain is in a thousand places especially the more kids you have your brain is in a thousand places for each of them um, and just balancing all of that and knowing kind of where to channel your energies and your time is just like a daily struggle and a daily like thought process like to, you know did I do it right today <laughs> like I, I wish like there was this mailbox kind of contraption in front of my house where I could just like insert my phone and it would like give it back when it's the right time because you know to, to me that's to me that's a mistake you know it, that that I'm constantly in is you know kind of like that easy access getting back to people you know trying to run whatever it is you're trying to run but um you know kind of like keeping not not keeping your eye on the prize you know in, in terms of the focus of your home now it's family time now it's kid time um even though my wife takes care of everything so maybe I don't need to, but <laughs> yeah, that, that I do. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll offer one thing for both of us. Um, let's see, you want to offer something? Yeah. Okay, uh, it's, uh, not a, this is a consistent mistake, not not just a, not, not a one-time thing, and something that uh, we've hopefully have, have started to correct. Um, and that is when you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zero in on a very benign example. Um, with that, that is true. That, that happened this yesterday with my son, my little my little boy. We all know each other, right? So I can't I can't talk about all my kids, but the baby I can talk about. So the I was I was cutting the baby's nails on Arab Shabbos, 
And it's not an easy task to do. Anyone who has cut a baby's needles knows it's a, it's, it's a kind of a frightening proposition, but something you have to do, right? So he was, you know, doing his thing, Baruch Hashem, and I couldn't get his hands down. But when you push the hands down too hard and he starts to cry, you feel terrible, but you don't, you know, it's this, it's this constant balance of trying to hold the little teeny hands and cut those nails. And, um, and then I realized as I was trying to cut his nails that he's probably hungry. And if I would wait until he was fed, he'd be fine. And so I did. You know, it, took, it, I, it was a shift. I realized what was going on. You're focused, you're zeroing in on the task at hand, and you're kind of obsessed with it at that moment, especially on a, on a hectic Friday. And you're focused on those nails, and if you t- take a step back and you realize once, there's something else going on here as well. It's not just about this particular moment. And after he was fed, he was happy. And he was happy, he let me put his hands down, I could cut his nails. So that was, I just remember this now, it's a, like a small, tiny example, but it happens with a six, seven-month-old, and it happens with 70 year olds and everything in between. Um, you know, just being, being able to, to, to breathe, take a step back. I remember there's another time that my, uh, one of our children who was six years old at the, at the time was just like a com- absolute terror, uh, you know, fighting. And, and, and it, was, it, was a, it was a moment in which this one child was kind of like draining the whole house of, uh, of its positivity for that moment. And that's fine. She, she's supposed to do that. She's six years old. But, and she's not six-year-old now, okay? This is a while ago. <laughs> um, and then I remember it was, it was, I think it was also an Erev Shabbos. These things happen on Erev Shabbos. And then she, and then we, uh, I think... So we, now we've narrowed it down to four. <laughs> she's, she's older than six, and it's a girl. So now we're <laughs> Sorry. So, and her name rhymes with... <laughs> um, and as soon as she started eating something... Her entire disposition just changed, just lifted up, and she was so happy. So our regret is that we starve our children. Setting out a meal train. <laughs> Anyways, that's that's a consistent regret. So you have to just zoom out, realize there's, there's there's a lot more going on with our children at any given time than the exact thing we want from them right now, and just be constantly aware and taking a step back and realizing that they're probably hungry. <laughs> yes. It's funny because my husband is always hoping my my child is hungry. He's like, she's hungry, right? No, no actually, she really wants us. It's always like something. And that can't be cured by hunger. He hopes it. Look, it's easy. You know, it's of course. Clear. Yeah, you can always go the other way also. You can always say, well, I never have to discipline at all because there's probably something else going on. So let me just give it. Doesn't, that doesn't work either. That's the balance. So I agree. We should have played the newlywed game. I do agree. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I just want to like, kind of compartmentalize two things that go into that. One is that like, there's some, maybe something else, maybe another reason. Like It's not a chinuch issue that you need to deal with. You just have to take care of something. Um, you know, technical, which needs to be definite. But the other thing that I, was definitely my regret is, is the focus on the short term versus the long term, which I guess we talked about when we did Love and Limits, is that for sure. Is that especially in this, when you were talking about being a young parent, um, it's, it's hard. Like you want things to go smoothly and you have kind of like your own this definition in your head of what a good parent looks like when the kids get in at a certain time and when they walk home from school nicely and when they have like this picture that looks so nice and it's very tempting and you're, you're doing it lishma, like you want a happy, nice home, but those things sometimes are very short term versus long term. 
and that definitely and and i i don't know if there's anything to do about it like you know work on yourself i don't know you know what i mean like because it's it's a it's like a lot of things in life and it, it i'm not saying this is easy but for myself like i really have to try and remember that that's part of the hashkacha of it hakadosh baruch Hu gave me my children at the time that he gave them to me you know, knowing all my faults, and I, it, that doesn't mean you don't have to try. You have to try really, really, really hard. But there are certain things that you can't learn except with experience. You just, it doesn't work. You have to try and listen to people and use your resources and whatever, but, you know, that these are your children. You are the best person to raise them, and the way you know that is because Hashem gave them to you. And, but, but there's, and, you know, like sometimes, you know, you said like, you know, it's abusive to give the small ch- children to someone this young. And like somehow when you look at oldest children, they're amazing very often. And that's like, you know, you're like, how'd that happen? Because <laughs> those parents clearly had no clue what they were doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's, so um, I think that that's, I, that's something that I try to remind myself of at the same time as I try to remind myself that I have to be focused on the long term. But that comes, I find for myself, that that definitely comes over time. That the things that, even though I could intellectually say, going to sleep at exactly this time is not what I want written in my art scroll book. You know what I mean? Like, that's not my goal in life. On the other hand, like, it's hard not to be focused on that. So it's definitely focusing on the, like, on the moment as opposed to the long term would definitely, definitely be my regret, just like him. <laughs> okay, so we'll move to another question. I think we'll go through two more, and then we'll take from the audience. One, one minute rebuttal. First of all, can we like pack up that fruit platter for them and just and put stuff in the freezer and stuff? So, so um, I just want to add one one more kind of point. Do you want to add? Okay, just maybe add one more point, and that is you know the 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 expectations, right? The <clears throat> the girl the girl that you named. Is your imagination of what that would look like ha- bears little resemblance to who this neshama actually is. The, the boy at the bris where you had all of your thoughts about what was going to happen, right? That's completely in your head. And, and having that image or, or that idea, you know, whether it's a girl or boy, you know, whatever have you, that, that image that you created, that's, that's your image coming from what it is that you want from that child, which is very, very different than the child that was given to you. So being able to manage the, the space that will exist between those two things, I think is, is what parenting is, right? The basher husham, what, what is this child? What are the kochos of this kid, right? What does this kid need? What do I have? What do I not have in order to be able to provide for that? And kind of bridging that gap between all of your shoulds and expectations that you've created in your head for whatever reason that, that really need to match with what it is that you were actually given. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay, thanks. But you know what? Can I do a rebuttal on that one? <laughs> with just like one that there's like so many things that go into that. But one of those things for me is the one at the beginning is that like at I, those. I have those crazy expectations and I know I need to get rid of them. And the only, for me, like there's lots of things that have to, that go into that. But one of them is that time, what you talked about in terms of like, once you have the limits and you could spend that time actually getting to know that child, like 
you can't you can't that's not an avodah that you could do like on a mountaintop like i have to love my child for who they are you have to get like know that child for who they are and it's very very hard to do that without spending a lot of meaningful time with them and talking to them and getting to know them like every human being everyone sitting in this room everyone in every every neshama is limitless is infinite there are so many amazing things but you have to get to know them in order to do it and we're all busy and we all have so much to do but sometimes that's like it's it seems so simple but like that's it like get to know them get to know how fantastic they are so that you can appreciate them and there's gonna be there you know if you have a certain amount of kids there are gonna be kids that are harder to connect to than others for you because your personalities don't necessarily mesh but there's something there I know there's something they have in a shama. There's something there that you could connect to, just sometimes it takes time. So like with regards to, you know, that love part, building that connection is like, that's really key. Okay, so we'll do, um, thank you. We'll do uh, two or three more questions. And if you want to, um, you know, I'm looking around this room and I'm, I could put like any, any two of you over here. <laughs> we have a lot to learn from many of you. So um, thank you for listening. Um, and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation in all sorts of formats, God willing. Um, so now, one of the things on this paper, which doesn't apply to us, is what, what do you do when a husband and a wife don't agree about certain, uh, you know, certain modes of parenting, right? So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that means, but there is somebody who asked that question. <laughs> So I'm, I think this is really going to fall squarely on the therapist here. Um, when you have parents who have very different uh, approaches to parenting, and that creates uh, you know, tension in the home, and that creates physical uh, uh, obstacles about like, what do we do at this point in time, and uh, it's you know, a layered and complex issue. So Dr. Fagan, what do you have to say? Three words. Get it together. <laughs> I, I don't know anything that can be more disturbing, not only to, to Sean Bias, but to the healthy development of kids than parents not being on the same page generally, but specifically when it comes to approach, because th- there's, there's going to be no doubt that, you know, kids, especially the, the, the smarter, kind of more intuitive kids will, will then start using parents against each other and, and doing stuff. So the, the, the answer is get it together, listen to your wife, because she's right, um, because she is, and and or 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 find find some sort of way to to get together find a method there there are literally hundreds of parenting methods and and again all of them can be useful but we go back to to that component that that it needs to be a united front um and and if it's not that's probably the biggest disservice that you can do to your kids um so back to mistakes so sometimes my my lovely wife will yes this one Will, um, will, will have like such a clear method about how to deal with it. And then like I come in and, and like, you know, the kid is like in timeout and I don't necessarily know. And I'm like, hi, oh boy, I just did something bad, you know, and, and right, it happens. So, 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 you know, obviously some, that, that, that was a mistake. I wasn't meaning to undermine anything. Really, I wasn't, I promise. And, and, um, but it happens a lot, you know, so, so kind of being on the same page, right. Re- reading the room in that way, right. To, to be able to say like, okay, you know, like you're just walking in here at like whatever o'clock at night. And like, there have been many hours, you know, for stuff to have happened. Right. So it's kind of like 
you know, the dads in the room, like, you know, being able to kind of like take the temperature of the situation, you know, kind of like when you're walking in. And so, so it's, it's obviously the, the uh, Im- importance of being on the same page, but even when you think and believe you are on the same page, like actually living the same page, you know, kind of associated with that. Thank you. Anything to add? I mean, I guess I feel like someone should speak to the wives also. <laughs> Just that, that that scenario definitely every wife in the room also was like yes I've been here for hours and you just walked in on the other hand I, I don't I, I, I can't think of anyone who would choose to parent by themselves and sometimes we do that to ourselves by undermining our spouse that when you undermine your spouse in front of your children you are removing their ability to be able to affect them and even if they're a hundred, even if you and and we do it out of love and because we are so sure that this is bad for this child, so we do it lishma. But even if you're doing it for the best reasons, and even if they're, what they're doing is really a hundred percent wrong, I'm not talking about something like abusive. I'm talking about something wrong, like you know, this is the wrong way to react to it. Still undermining your spouse in front of your children removes their ability to be able to give to them as much as you want to, to be able to help you. They're there, they want to, like, you know, you're in this together, you're a team. So when you undermine them, you are removing their ability to be able to do that. And um, even though at the time, it's like really tempting because yes, you've been here for five and a half hours and he just walked in, um, it's, you're, you're, you're only hurting yourself because you want that, you want that support, you want to be able to do it together. It's, you know, parenting is amazing, but it's hard. And it's really nice to have a partner, <laughs> or essential, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I'd like to introduce my father-in-law. <laughs> Who is not allowed to say anything about me. <laughs> One quick question, because Uh-oh. you've touched on it. All of you have touched on it a little bit. And that is, speaking as certainly the oldest in the room, um, the family structure over the last 30, 40, 50 years has changed more dramatically than probably in the 1900 years before that. How has that change changed the roles to a more positive or a more negative situation? How has that manifested itself in, you know, people, people talked about parenting for a long time, even back in my day. So, um, yet... You did, you did a happened, great job, Dad. What they, wrote about, <laughs> what they wrote about parenting back in the, uh, in the day is not necessarily the way parenting... You know, my parenting was, Rifka was my favorite child, period. That's the way it was. That was good enough. So, but seriously... Uh, we should address that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, the, the proliferation of, of, you know, single parent homes is, you know, certainly something that we can spend, you know, hours on. I think blended families and, and how to do that right, um, you know, is, is something that we can spend a tremendous amount of time on. Um, you know, the, the, but the essential advice, I think, is all the same. 
And the essential advice is, you, you know, if, if there's a divorce and a remarriage, right, whatever the scenario is, right, you, there, there, there was a divorce for a reason and there was a remarriage for a reason and now the kids are here and we, everybody involved, needs to find the way in order to, to try to communicate and work, to be, work together for, for the betterment of these kids. So we could probably spend you know days talking about the the blended family situation. I wasn't. I was to, referring more to the roles, meaning that okay. the husband was the breadwinner and the and the and the wife stayed home raising the kids, etc. Which is not necessarily the case anymore. Right. Do you want to uh, step into that? Who <laughs> me? I don't know. I I haven't been here for five hours. <laughs> I, just, I just walked in. Um, I. I <laughs> I grew up when I grew up. I, I, don't, I don't have a good insight. I mean, my own personal childhood is, is like, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> the reason I should be presenting about, about childhood. I grew up in a very different home than the one that I am, uh, you know, that I'm heading right now together. Um, my own, you know, my mother passed away when I was two. I grew up in a home that was largely empty, with, with, uh, just with my father, who was a, um, who, uh, my father's a colonel of Rocha, who was a post-war parent, a very European style of parenting, um, you know, very much not, you know, what, what, we, what we practice nowadays. So, <clears throat> you know, so if I have anything to offer, then somehow it works a little bit, right? So it's, it's, it's interesting to note that there's no one basic model that works, and that's the only model that there is. Um, we have to adapt with the culture that we're in. We have to adapt with the times that we're presented with. And uh, if, if fathers are more involved now, it could be that's the hashkacha, that's, uh, that we're led in that direction because that's what our kids need. Uh, we spoke earlier about the fact that we have, the, our, our children are, are not just projects, they are neshamas that we are entrusted with. And there's a hashkacha behind the neshamas that we receive, and there's also a hashkacha behind the setting in which we receive them. So um, the fact that there have been, uh, you know, roles have become a little, I think, a little more blurred, um, that... I, I would imagine that there, that's, that's, that's a, a, a positive response to shifts in society, even though it may be very different from what we grew up with. Um, but I don't have any stats or data. I don't really know how it plays out. I live now. <laughs> um, okay, let's, uh, let's get one more question in from the, the, uh, the ones that were submitted, and then we'll take any, any questions, and we'll, we'll head towards the latter part of the evening. Um, in which we could just open up for talking. There's, I think there's a little bit more food back there. And, um, it's for our kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one more question is, um, yeah, this is a friend's question. Now, a lot of our kids are friends with each other, so this is going to be an interesting question. <laughs> and in a, in a small, close-knit community like we have, Baruch Hashem, it's, you know, a lot of these things are, are, uh, are, are, are very important for us to talk about together. But one question is... Um, what, what happens, or what, how do you approach a scenario in which your children are, are um, becoming friends or seem to be gravitating towards friends who are not the best for them? How do you approach that situation? Now, it doesn't mean that the friend that they are gravitating towards is something wrong with them, but that particular relationship is not, is not good for your own child. You can see it from a mile away. Your child obviously cannot see it. So how do you approach that? What do you say? I'll go first. Go for it, if you want. Um, okay, I guess I think you have to kind of divide why that child isn't good for your friend. Is it that they're having your child do things that you don't approve of, that are dangerous, 
or is it just not the best relationship? Like, I think there are, um, you know, different levels that have to be uh, dealt with differently. Um, but I think the first thing, like, that pops into my head as a parent is, like, always have the kid by you instead of your child going with them. So, you know, especially that's a lot easier, obviously, if the kids are little. Um, but definitely we've had the experience where I felt like there were some kids that were either not good influences or just not the best friend. Um, and, you know, try to limit the time, try to limit the time, generally. Um, you know, I'll give time limits. Yes, you can play together, be home, you know, in a half an hour. Um, also, you know, just having them play by you instead of by the other person, and that way you can monitor it a little bit more. Um, I think depending on the age of the child, hopefully if they're older, you can have an honest discussion and communication as to why your friend wants to be friends with that person um, and kind of take it from there. So I think like younger is like you can be very in control of the relationship. You can have them by you and then they can be kind of doing things that you allow and don't allow and you can keep an eye on the situation. And as your child gets older, hopefully there's a communication involved and you can kind of like solve the underlying issue of what's really going on. Yeah, um, I, I think th this question has like three permutations, really. And, and there are two, I think, very fundamental points that come out really from the question and, and its permutation. So permutation number one is um, you don't like a friendship, right, that your kid is engaged in. Permutation number two is your kid is having a tough time making friends. And permutation number three is, um, you know, you kind of don't know necessarily the kids, but you see... Um, you know, the, the reaction that your, your kid is having or, you know, something similar. So to me, the two fundamental uh, principles here are at play are number one, communication, right? Being, being able to communicate openly, honestly with your kids, which means that that needs to start like super early on in life, right? That, that, can't, that communication kind of can't be happening in the moment. You need to be able to practice that communication. That communication is all based on trust. That communication is, you know, based on uh, mutual respect between parent and child, right? Not that they're necessarily, not that they are on the same level, right? But, but there's a mutual respect taking place where, where there can be a, a sharing of ideas. So, you know, principle number one, I think, in all of that is, is communication. Um, principle number two, and I think we, we kind of um, touched on it before, and, and that is the limit setting, right? I, I can, parents, parents are, are very often paralyzed into imagining that if they say no to their kid, their kid is, is you know, kind of go off the derech and, like, grow a beard and wear Bekashan stuff. So, um, you, you know, so, so being able to say no to, to a child is, like, perfectly acceptable. Um, again, it needs to be communicated. It, it needs to be talked about in, in a good and healthy kind of way. But, um, you know, that, that and, and very related to that ability to say no is, is also the sense of... a a child needing to take responsibility, um, which very, very much relates to a, a, a much broader topic. I don't know if we have a question on it, but let me just throw it out there. <clears throat> and, and it's kind of like the, the, you know, to me, really fundamental topic when it comes to parenting, and that is, if you are solving every problem that your kid has, you're setting them up for failure. Right. It's it's basically, you know, catching a fish for them every time that they're hungry. Um, <clears throat> See, we are it's, <laughs> right. It's 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 catching a fish for them instead of teaching them how to fish. 
And if, if we're in the position as parents, even from, from you know, really, really young age, if we're in the position to constantly be protecting our kids and trying to solve their problems for them, they, they will learn nothing about communication. They'll learn nothing about relationships. They'll learn nothing about problem solving. They'll learn nothing about just living in the world with other people. So our job, the way I see it as parents, is to, to empower kids to think through a situation think about potential uh, you know consequences w- with with our feedback you know like i i don't think that this relationship is the best for you here's what i'm seeing what do you think right that's the communication part of it and and obviously it needs to be done carefully so it doesn't get back to the kid we actually have a funny story about that um but you know kind of being well I'll whisper it to you. Um, you, you know, to, to Can you kind of be. Whisper it to all of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, she tells it better. Um, but right to to be to be able to empower our kids to to learn how to solve problems, and that socially, that's with teachers, that might be with principals, right? That the last thing we want to do is is to be like in constant swoop in defense of the child mode without really hearing what it is that people might be saying and then empowering our kids to be able to make the best decisions that they can be because in adulthood right you you don't always have that person whispering in and if you never really learn how to do it it's going to be like significant issue should i whisper the story where we said to one of our kids that you know one of the people that they play with might not be like the best match for them, but that unfortunately got back to one of the oh, other. Oh, yes, that was really bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that you know, we we okay. This was a mistake. We put it on our mistake list. We um, we did feed the child that day, but <laughs> but what we didn't do is is tell the kid that this conversation right that this com. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay, I didn't <laughs> tell the child that this conversation is, is kind of like parent-child conversation and probably shouldn't be repeated back to the child that we were talking about. Okay, that was my mistake. And um, Okay, but it all worked out, I think. Um, but, but the point is, right, is, is to, to be able to, as parents, to be able to empower kids, even from a young age, to be able to think through the issues, to be able to have them problem solve, we set them up for success and, and hopefully not the other way. Can I, I mean, just like a personal story of like a problem solving case that we did deal with and I think we dealt with successfully this time, um, was one of our sons was very, very young and when he was young, he was just very, had a lot of anxiety, was very fearful of every thing in one. What age? Um, he was probably like first, first 27. Grade. <laughs> probably first grade. And he came home complaining that there was a boy in his class that bullied him. And okay, so you know, we listened, did the empathizing, all that stuff, and then kind of put it back on him. Well, what do you think you should do to help the problem? Um, and he decided he was going to give him snack every day and tell him that if you are mean to me, I won't give you snack. But if you're nice to me, I will share my snack with you. And we're like, okay. You know, and like, 
it worked. In a week, they were like best friends. They went ice skating together. Like they started playing together. We were having him over at our house. He was going to their house. Like he solved the problem. It wasn't necessarily the way we would have told him to solve the problem, but it worked for them, and it worked very well. So. <laughs> and he's actually just a little a little nachas. He's so actually he's in our Israel for the year, and when we were asked to do this panel, we asked a few of our older children, you know, what are your, what are your three top and three negative things that we did as parents? And the first thing he said to us is, you taught us to communicate and problem solve. And he's not a big communicator. He's our like least communicator of all of our children. And he said, I'm here living in a dorm. He's like, and no one knows how to solve their problems. No one can talk to each other. And he's like, have a problem so I, I, t I talk to the person and we tell we work it out and so that was yeah it works it felt good yeah it felt very good <laughs> it was the same kid actually the bullying thing yeah okay uh, any, any we'll take two or three questions from the audience before we wrap up for the evening anyone Amir go for it uh, for Dr. Fagan I found when my kids want to convince me of something, they use comparison, like, oh, so-and-so just got an iPhone, so-and-so's allowed to do that. So our approach in the beginning was, I don't care what so-and-so does. But then I find that I also use comparison, like, oh, Moshe just made a CEO on a map poster, look at that. So the approach I took after was, you don't need, like, when he's saying, like, oh, so-and-so, like the iPhone example, you don't need to be the best, like, you don't need to be the kid in the class who's like, you know, pasta milk. But you don't need to be the worst either. Like, don't compare yourself to the lowest common denominator. Let's just try to be in the middle. And then, like we were talking about it, like, is that a good message to send? Like, try to be in the middle. Like, I want you to be the best. Why not be the best? Like, reach for the stars. But otherwise, I don't know how to answer that. Like, so and so is getting this, and so is getting that. Right. So I got. I guess we'll take it in two parts. In 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 our home, uh, um, I think my children can attest that when the conversation starts with. Yeah, but mm has mm, or yeah, but they do mm. Conversations, it's done. Conversations over. That's not the way we're gonna do this. If you want to talk about getting a phone, getting your driver's license, you know what, it, whatever it might be, we can definitely talk about that. But at the the minute like that's the initiation sentence, like conversations over, and that those are our limits because. Because everybody knows when you ask like three more questions, okay, really it's three people, right? <laughs> and, it's, and it's not everyone. Everyone like if, if everyone means statistically like less than one percent, then yes, that means everyone, but it's not. So right, so so being able to kind of communicate directly, um, you, you know, is 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 super important. Um, and and I think I think our message to our kids has always been like, be the best you. I, I don't, you know, there, there's no this or that or here or there. It's, it's, it's be the best you. And it's, and it, which requires you to know you, requires you to know what your strengths are, what you really are good at. We're going to be supportive. That doesn't mean that everything goes at all. It doesn't mean that there isn't um, a, a lot of support and pushing for effort. But it, it does mean that we want you to be the best you. So, for example, I'm sure I can think of a bunch of examples, but... Um, Let's say with, with our boys, right? The, the minog in our show, I'm sure, minog for most of the people, is that the boys will lay in for the bar mitzvah, right? Not everywhere, but, right? That's the minog here. Okay. So, so our boys know you don't have to lean. If you don't want to lean for your bar mitzvah, it's not a problem at all. But if you're going to lean, you got to get it right. 
and which, which is going to require time and diligence in, in order to get it right. But you absolutely don't have to do it. Recently, one of our daughters had a bas mitzvah. You, you don't need to speak. It doesn't say anywhere that you need to speak publicly. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, if that's not your thing, if that, it's, it's totally fine. I don't care what everybody else is Like, to me, that's totally fine. You be the best you that you can be. If that's not your thing, it's not your thing. Um, you know, she takes after her father. <laughs> so, you know, just kind of some of those examples where I, th- I think our approach is, yeah, we, we want to stay away from all those comparisons. Like, let, let them be empowered to, to feel like they are finding their groove, finding their thing, and, and kind of like, you know, doing that to the max. Can I just add to that for a second? That doesn't mean that one of their arguments about themselves or their points about themselves can't be well, five of my really good friends have blank and then I'm left out. That's, you know, a perfectly reasonable thing to say, but it's not saying I need it because they have it. It's saying there's, um, there's an effect that they're having it is having on me and I'm feeling this negative emotion because of it or this negative uh, repercussion because of it. So it's kind of them focused. Okay, I'll take one more in the back. Um, what if a parent has a child, a teenager, who's doing things that they don't like them to do, and so, like, they don't treat them with respect or trust? How do they, you know, stop the kid from doing what they don't want them to do, but at the same time treat them with trust and respect? I think this is not yeah. clearly for you guys. <laughs> How many teenagers? I mean, I heard, I heard them say that they. <laughs> All you. Okay. <laughs> so the only thing I, I, my only thing I will and I, I don't know <laughs> the only thing I will say is with respect to, with regard to trust I think we have a, a we like to pretend that we trust people that we don't trust meaning like I say well um, I want my child to do XYZ um, but I don't want to check up on him because I want him to think I don't trust him. But you don't trust him. Let's be honest. You don't trust him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But if I check up on him, he's going to know I don't trust him. He knows you don't trust him. Like, you don't trust him. So I think that part of building trust is creating a situation in which you can trust your kids. And this starts, like, from a very young age. Where you create situations where they can succeed. And if you, if you don't think they're going to succeed, you have to... You, those are the... Those, I mean... I mean succeed in terms of the trust aspect. I don't mean in terms of life, take care of everything. But that when you feel like you can't trust them, that you have to do something about it to a certain extent. Um, like we have this kind of strange attitude in the environment that we live in that everyone, we don't like to admit that people can be tempted to do things that they shouldn't be doing. But that is part of the setup of Torah and Mitzvot. We recognize that people sometimes want to do things that they shouldn't. And we put safeguards in, in order that we shouldn't be doing them. And that mindset is, I think, a very healthy mindset. And it applies to kids also. Like, you don't leave, like, all your Shalach Manos candy out on the dining room table when you have children under the age of, I don't know, eight all day 
because that's a dumb thing to do. And it's not because you think your children are terrible children or because you don't trust them. It's true, you don't trust them with the Shalak Manos candy. That's fine, it's okay that you don't trust them with the Shalak Manos Especially candy. Especially if they're hungry. You, <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't trust them with Shalak Manos candy. And, and, and a person putting filter on their phone doesn't mean that they think that they themselves are, that there's something wrong with them. It's because people are sometimes tempted to do things that they shouldn't do. And part of the setup of being a normal, healthy, growing individual is I put safeguards on things because I am a person. And so when you have that approach to your children, it could be that they're going to do something wrong. And I'm going to try and set them up so that, yeah, it's okay. That, that if I don't trust them in a particular situation, it doesn't mean I think they're a bad person. It means I think they're a normal, healthy teenager and they might make bad choices. And therefore, I can check up on them. And that doesn't say anything bad about them and our relationship. Okay, go take a... It could be that I'm wrong. Am I wrong? (laughs) I I thought it was lovely. Fact check. (laughs) Uh, No, yes, yes, 100%. I I think that trust building, um, you know, happens really, really early. Uh, and, And it's mutual trust. Right, it's it's certainly mutual trust, but also understanding that um, trust is a privilege. Um, parents, parents inherently, right? Ki- ki- kids have to know, right, that that trust needs to be earned, and with that earning of trust comes increased responsibility, but also comes increased privilege. So, if there can't be a mutual trust associated with something, so then the parallel privilege is not there. If we increase trust, we can increase privilege. Um, you know, and, and that can play out in, in all sorts of ways, um, you know, and, and certainly th- throughout, I think, all sorts of developmental ages as well. But, but it, 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 it's also, right, it, there's also a parallel process taking place, right, that parents need to be trustworthy with regards to other things and, and follow through really, um, you know, with, with what it is that, that they're saying to do. Um, but but I do think that it's an important thing, right, to, to also recognize that there there are some things, not only developmentally, um, but also personality-wise, right? One one our other boy, we spoke about one of them, right? Our other boy is is probably like the biggest teddy bear kind of kid that you know you'll you'll ever meet. And and if you ask him to like, you know, swim the English channel for you, like he'll do it. <laughs> but like having him remember to pick up his socks is like a huge challenge, but like he'll give you everything he possibly can. But but in terms of you know that level of trust, but it, it also means that when you get somewhere, right? Please call, right? That's that's trust building, and if you're able to do that, then you get the privilege of being able to go or consistently being able to go. So you know, as th- there there is that ratio, um, that and and that equation that is taking place in terms of you know, trust, responsibility, and then hopefully positive consequence associated with that. But, but that really has to start super, super young, right? If, if that's the, the implementation of all of that is starting only in teenage years, right? The, 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 the whole give and take of how that works is, is going to be very challenging, I think. Backtracking a little bit what you said before about your son having a, he didn't have to lane for a permit, so, but mm-hmm. if he did, you said he better do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't that create a certain tension that a demanding certain performance, even though he agreed, but then, you know, children are children and he may not be up to that yeah. standard that you have for him. 
it, it was it, it wasn't demanding performance it was demanding diligence and and i think that that's and i think that that's different right if if you dedicate you come up with a time right if 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 our expectation is that yes you will spend a real half an hour doing x y and z right then then that's the expectation i don't know how it's going to come out i mean i knew how it was going to come out because i was helping him with it right <laughs> so um and and um you know and and i also think that you know, because of the nature of the relationship, if for whatever reason we needed to pull the plug on that, you know, at, at some point, we could have pulled the plug on it. Um, but but it's, it's, it's kind of demanding that dedication and, and that diligence, not necessarily looking at it from a performance standpoint. But thank you for clarifying that. Can I add to that also that um, having your child make a choice to do something and then helping them see it through to the goal is very, very good for the child because then they accomplish something through hard work, and that's very satisfying as a person. And so, yeah, it was, was it hard for him? It was hard for him, because he was also making a CM on she just did her mission at the same time, and he was very far behind. <laughs> and he spent the summer of his bar mitzvah doing laning and setting up chabrusas for Mishnayas. Like, and that is what he did every day for hours and hours. And, but he did it. And in the end, he got so much positive feedback from himself, from other people, that it was a huge accomplishment for him and that he felt very good about it. We kind of have this thing of like, when you make a choice, you stick with it. And you can make a different choice, but if this is the choice you're choosing, we will help you get there, but you're gonna do it. And sometimes you need to make, you know, pro-con charts with like, you know, weighted things, you know, to hang up on the refrigerator. I might be talking about a specific decision that, you know, might have just been made, but help, helping kids, right, at various ages to, to think through all of the issues and, and really not to be paralyzed really is, I think, what you're talking about. Sometimes we have a fear of like expecting things from our children, but that's the biggest gift. One of the biggest gifts we can give them is expectations from themselves and knowing that they have the ability to perform and to fulfill these expectations. Okay. Um... This, uh, Matt, we'll get to you in a second. Uh, I think we'll, we'll wrap up this, uh, the, this, this little session now. I wanted to thank, if anyone has any individual questions, we'll, we'll stay here for a little bit. We can talk and come forward. We can talk, uh, we can talk more privately. Um, but I don't want, it's getting late, and you have to get to sleep so you can come tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Um, 10 a.m. in Heritage, Heritage Hall. Dr. Fagan will be presenting um, on the topic of abuse prevention. Thank you very much to the Nidishes for hosting us. Thank you all. Um, for Thank you. Thank you. There's a lot of people who also helped make this thing possible. Go for it. Perfect. Thank you. First, I want to thank the Suddas, uh, the Cavaliers, the Joels, and the Kaplans for helping with uh, the food and, uh, and other things. I'm uh, very appreciative of that. My son, you know, Jakob Nidich, because he set up all the chairs and uh, nice. again, it's been incredible. Uh, next, I want to thank the uh, Boxburners and Fagan uh, for coming here and basically gracing us tonight with this uh, beautiful session on parenting. Um, I want to thank uh, Ryan, I don't know his last name from Shul, but uh, what? Langlinaise. Okay, Truly an incredible guy, and really, he basically helped do a lot of shopping instead of prep. So again, very appreciative of that. And lastly, I want to thank my wonderful wife, Pava, for... Okay, thank you so much. We all, may we all see tremendous amounts of nachas from all of our children. Amen. 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 Am